Hello and welcome to episode number something of uh, Unseeded. Obviously it's been a little while since we last recorded and, uh, well, this will be the second ever solo episode. Uh, I'm still very much figuring out what we're doing next with this podcast, but I felt like it would be inappropriate for us not to uh, to go into Wimbledon without at least doing somewhat of a... Uh, or inappropriate of me, to be honest. And why am I saying us? It's only me. Um, inappropriate of me to go into Wimbledon without having published a uh, podcast previewing Wimbledon since it's a Grand Slam in the city of which I live. Not that I've got tickets. I will be trying to go on the first Tuesday, though, and join the queue because I feel like as a London-based tennis fan, it's sort of you have to do it at some point in your life. Go and join the queue at the early hours of the morning. And, yeah hope for the best hope i get a show court ticket realistically i won't uh, i'll be on the ground pass but that's why i want to go on the first tuesday so i would have loads of tennis to watch um but yeah so obviously going into wimbledon i think possibly important to talk about is the grass court tennis that has happened so far i mean it's of my view that the grass season should be slightly longer i would love there to be a masters event for grass considering every other surface has multiple Grass doesn't even have one. Um, and I mean, if there was a Masters 1000 event on grass, that certainly would have stat padded Roger Federer a little bit. But yeah, so um, so far on the grass, on the ATP side, we've had a few winners already. Obviously, Murray, uh, Andy Murray, won two challenger events, which was Surbiton and Nottingham. Francis Tiafo won in Stuttgart at the Boss Open. Talon Griekspoor won the Libema Open uh, in the Netherlands, the actual place of where it is I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. It is quite tricky. Um, and then the sort of two bigger events, the 500s uh, that have finished, we've had Alexander Bublik win Halle and Carlos Alcaraz win Queens. I mean, it'll certainly be interesting to watch Bublik at Wimbledon, considering since about 2011... If your name has not been Roger Federer, then you've gone out in the first round of Wimbledon after having won Haller. So that would be interesting to follow. Um, And then on the WTA side at the Libama Open, we've had uh, Alexandra win. Nottingham, a Brit one in an all-British final. It was Katie Bolter having beat Jodie Burridge in the final. And then in Birmingham, Ostapenko beat... Kuchikva in the final and then in Berlin we had Kvitova win so we've had quite a range of winners but yeah so that's been who's won on grass so far so good idea of who's in form um but yeah sort of moving on to Wimbledon really um obviously going into Wimbledon the defending champions as I'm sure we're all aware Novak Djokovic who is the number two seed uh, he won last year, having beaten Nick Kyrgios in the final. He's obviously going to go for his fifth in a row, I believe. So that is, and also to level Roger Federer's record of eight Wimbledon titles. So that is, uh, and also level Margaret, is there any record he's not going for? So <laughs> And to level Margaret Court on 24 Grand Slams um, and be the outright Grand Slam holder on the men's and women's side or during the Open Era, um, with Serena on 23. 
And then on the women's side, the defending champion is Elena Rabakna, who beat Anjabur in last year's final. Um, the top seeds on the ATP side, we've got Carlos Alcaraz, first seed, followed by Djokovic, Medvedev, Kasparud, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Holger Rune, Andre Rublev and Yannick Sinner. I think some other notable seeds are Tiafo because he's now in the top 10. He's the 10th seed. Cam Norrie, obviously the British number one, uh, is the number 12 seed. And also Ben Shelton, because of some withdrawals, he is now the 32nd seed on his Wimbledon debut. So that is not too bad. Um, the top seeds on the WTA side, Igor Sviontek, obviously number one, Sabalenka number two, Elena Bakhna number three, followed by Pagula at four, Garcia five, Onshaber at six, uh, Coco Goff at seven, and Maria Sakkari as the number eight seed. Um, other notable seeds as well. We've got Kasakina at 11th, but with she's the 11th seed, but she is back inside the top 10 now, having reached the final of Eastbourne. Um, Carolina Mukova is the 16th seed after her run to the Roland Garros final. And Maya Sharif is the 31st seed. And I feel like Maya Sharif needs a little bit of a shout out, to be honest, because she's, she, obviously she's a bit like your Anshabur. She's coming from a country that doesn't have. She's Egyptian, not really like a huge tennis country. And also, like, it's really, really good progress because I think I first heard of Maya Sharif in 2021 in the third round of US Open qualifying because she was beaten by Emma Raducanu and then she went on into the main draw as a lucky loser. So to come from there and to now be the 31st seed at Grand Slam, I mean, that is very impressive work. Um, but yeah, no, so, uh, so yeah, those are the seeds. Um, I went and looked through the draws cause that happened earlier today. Um, on the ATP side, there were quite a few matchups and so are there on the WTA side, just in the first round. Obviously there's some, we'll get onto it later, but on the WTA side, they've, uh, put Venus Williams against Alina Svitolina and I think that is the tennis gods being quite harsh on everyone because I think they're two players that most people want to have deep runs but clearly not um but yeah so uh I think let's just carry on with like notable matchups for the uh ATP side um we have Alcaraz the number one seed, obviously, against Jeremy Shardy, who is entering on a protected ranking in the first quarter. Also in the first quarter, Matteo Barrettini against Lorenzo Sonigo. An all-Italian affair with... Yeah. I don't back Berrettini for this one, if I'm being honest. He has not been in good form for a long, long time. And, yeah. Sonigo has been in pretty decent form. And, yeah, I like Berrettini, but I don't see him getting through that. Second quarter of the Wimbledon draw on the men's side, we have Milos Raonic against Denis Novak. I'm not, I've not put this in here because it's going to be a particular... I don't think it's going to be a particularly exciting match, but it's Milos Raonic playing a professional tennis match again, which uh, seemed unlikely for quite a long period. So let's see if he's still any good. He could be. He could not be. Who knows? Uh, in that quarter as well, we have Ryan Peniston against Andy Murray. So that's going to be a short run for one of the Brits. 
And also in there we have Dominic Team against Stefanos Tsitsipas. They played each other in, in Madrid. And I remember that being a particularly fantastic match. So we'll see how it goes on the grass. And I mean, it should be a good match anyway. It's a match between two people with one-handed backhands. So it's going to be... It's going to be a fun watch. Um, and then I've skipped the third quarter because that is just ridiculously open because the highest seed in there is Casper Ruud. But that man clearly has incredible disdain for Wimbledon, for grass courts in general. The only bit of training I've seen him do is on hard courts. So that's uh, that's sort of where we're at with Casper Ruud. Um, in that quarter, there is Yannick Sinner and... Taylor Fritz, their potential fourth round opponents. So I'd see one one of them surely is going to make the quarterfinals because that that part of the draw, they should be there. Um and then but then in the fourth quarter, there are a few interesting matchups. There is Nick Kyrgios against David Goffan. Uh interesting to see if Nick Kyrgios is back to fitness yet. Uh obviously he had quite a few fitness problems at the start of the year, having to withdraw from Australia and then more fitness problems, seemingly as the result of the break-in in his house. Um, but yeah, hopefully he's back to fitness and can go on a decent run, uh, back up some, back up his performance from last year. Really, that'd be good to see. Other matchups: Rusevori against Stan Wawrinka and Novak Djokovic against Kashin. That should be an easy Djokovic win, but obviously he's not played a thing um, match on grass yet, so just. He's, I mean, why am I saying, like, just to see if he gets into it? He's going to get into it. He's Novak Djokovic. Yeah, oh well. On both sides, I'll get to the WCA first round matchups in a second, but on both sides, I've put in, I've written in, like, potential matchups later on in the tournament. But I just want to heavily caveat this. It's like, just ignore these, because if you go back through all the episodes of this podcast, either when it's been with Dennis or Fur. I have written down and got excited about potential matchups and I don't think a single one has ever happened when I've got excited about them. So just discount all of these from ever happening. So the first one, I've got Murray versus Sitsipas in the second round because the last time they met at Grand Slam, there was drama. It was the 2021 US Open. Uh, and that's... I'm basically because of that match is why they brought in all the toilet rules so you can only have like a three minute toilet break all that sort of stuff because uh well Sitsipas went to the toilet multiple times and seemingly couldn't find the toilet for about 15 minutes um but there's also a potential Vavrinka against Djokovic in the third round I mean that's definitely not a certainty um of Vavrinka getting to the third round uh, we have Holger Rune against Carlos Alcaraz as a potential quarterfinal. So that's looking quite far ahead. But, you know, we can hope. We can pray. Both had good runs at Queen's as well. Um, which is especially impressive because both of them are still young and haven't played much grass court tennis. And then a potential round four, as I've already mentioned, Fritz against Sinner, which would be nice. Um, but, yeah. Moving on to some of the... I've got a lot more notable WTA first-round matchups, I think, because in the first quarter, Siontek against Zhulin of China. I've got this. 
in brackets as a potential upset. I mean, I know I said that Sabalenka was going to go out in the first round of Roland Garros, but I'm predicting an upset somewhere. One has to happen at some point. I've got to get one right at some point. But this is this is the most likely upset out of the top, top seeds, I think. We have Venus Williams, as we said, against Alina Svitolina. The match that I don't... I wouldn't have mind seeing in the fourth round, but I didn't want to see in the first round. Because um, I'd like them to have a run, both of them. Uh, and then also in the first quarter, we have Coco Goff against Sophia Kennan. So if Sviantek does survive this potential upset, um, which realistically should, I'm just like, you know, wanting to predict an upset. Um, that is a potential quarterfinal, I believe, of Sviantek against Goff. In the second quarter, we have Annette Contevate against Stefanini. Um, once again, this is more just a matchup to look out for because of Annette Contevate, who is unfortunately playing her last professional tournament. And then I've also got in that second quarter uh, Camilla Rosario against Cochiretto, but that's just because I'm now a Camilla Rosario fan after Roland Garros. Um, that's that's not going to be of interest to anyone else, but I'm just putting it in there. Um the third quarter, we have uh, Paolini against Kvitova. Um, this is either going to be the start of a really incredible run from Petra Kvitova, or it's going to be a shock defeat for Petra Kvitova. One of those two things is going to happen. We have Katie Bolter, the new British number one, against Daria Seville, and Elena Rabakina against Shelby Rogers. Uh, and then finally, in the fourth quarter, we have Sakri against Kostyuk. Risk against Bedosa. Um, if I'm there on that Tuesday for that, I feel like I need to turn up to that match just to maintain my uh, streak as being uh, Alison Risk's unlucky charm. We have Mira Andreva, who made it through qualifying, against Wang Ziyu. Um, we have Carolina Mukova against Yula Nimai. Yula Nimai obviously went on a run to the quarterfinals at Wimbledon last year, which... Very impressive. Slightly unfortunate because she didn't get any points for it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see that match. To see if... I'd, I'd put Mukova definitely as the, as the favourite. She's the 16th seed. Has clearly the game for grass. But so does Yula Nima. It'll be interesting to see whether what happened last year bears any significance. Um, and then finally we have Sabalenka against Udvardi. But... That's once again, that's just in there because it'll be interesting to see how Sabalenka's done because she hasn't played all too much since Roland Garros. And once again, we've got the heavily caveated potential matchups that I've looked through the draw. A potential Rabatkina Sabalenka semi final. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we're just going to have to hope. Hope that happens. And then we have Sakura against Bedosa in round two. Could could happen, although I could see Alison Risk actually beating Pedrosa. Um Andreva against Krichikova in the second round, so that'll be interesting if that happens, of course. And then Andrescu against Jabur as a potential third round matchup, which as well would be interesting. Um, I think that would be a very fair. That's just a vibes match, isn't it? I mean, the amount of variety both of those players have would be wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's like all the sort of quite 
that's just the pure information I've got for Wimbledon. Gone through who's won on grass, gone through seedings, gone through the draw, everything like that. Um, yeah, no, I'm personally very excited for Wimbledon. I'm definitely going to be trying to go at least, well, for that for that first Tuesday because I need to go to Wimbledon. Having been to Roland Garros, obviously Roland Garros does put Wimbledon a little bit to shame when it comes to ticketing. I wish it was that easy to go to Wimbledon. Um, but yeah, uh, I think my personal view, if you want, if you want sort of little predictions of what's going to happen, is I think really Djokovic is the favorite. Djokovic is the favorite on the men's side. He's done this so many times where he's had a run, if not one, Roland Garros, not played anything. And because he is a far better grass court player than Kaspar Ruud, can get away with not playing anything. And yeah, uh, just turns up, eases his way into the tournament and then just goes and wins it. I think he'll win it this year. I think there's just not enough players on the men's side with grass court pedigree. Um, as much as I would like to say that Andy Murray is 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 within a shout, he's not within a shout. If he gets to the second week, maybe, maybe I'll start uh, considering him a potential winner, but he needs to get to the second week for, for that to happen. If, it, if I was to sort of rank it, I would probably put Djokovic as the favourite, Alcaraz just below, and then there'd have to be like a sort of below them, another group of players. Who I'd put in there, though, I'm not entirely sure. I think you could have maybe someone like a Taylor Fritz in that group, which is a bold shout considering his grass court form so far, having been beaten by Adrian Manorino and then going out of the first round of Eastbourne. I wouldn't say Kyrgios just because of fitness. It's tricky. Yannick Sinner may be in that group, but then I'm ju I just think Sinner's a bit off, a bit far away from winning a slam. Medvedev, maybe. I don't know. I think realistically it's going to be Djokovic. If it's not Djokovic, it'll probably be Carlos Alcaraz. Um, on the WTA side, however, if she was fully fit and hadn't withdrawn from tournaments out of illness, I think Elena Rabakna is the favourite. But... I wouldn't say she's the favourite until we see her play her first match, see if she's fit, because then the favourites, I think, Sabalenka, she'd probably be up there as a favourite with, with um, Rebecca if she's fit anyway. Um, but then I think below that you do have the sort of slightly more different types of players. I still don't see Sviontek winning on grass just yet. So I think below the sort of big Fast, heavy, like heavy hitters and big servers like Rabakners and uh, Sabalenka's, your sort of big flat hitters. I would say that you have those sort of slightly more alternative, alternative players. I don't, I don't think that's the right thing. Uh, slightly more sort of players with more variety. So I would put Jabir there. I mean, she's had the experience of being in the final, and then also U.S. Open final and losing it. So maybe that would help. But then also. Karolina Mukova, if she stays here throughout the whole tournament, I think actually, even though her best run now at a slam is at Roland Garros, I think the style that she plays, and especially with 
what she can do with that sliced backhand is perfect for grass. Um, we can we've seen in twenty twenty two, no, not twenty twenty two. We've seen in twenty twenty one how effective a sliced backhand can be. And also in 2022, to some extent, because Jabir got to a final and she won the first set at that final. But in 2021, obviously, with Ash Barty winning that final and, I mean, winning, like, the first 14 points of the final, but that was sort of more Carolina Pliskova being Carolina Pliskova. WTA favourites, for me, be back in a Sabalenka. Below that, you got Mukova, who's in... Three of them are all in that part of the draw. Um, I think even Jabir is in that half of the draw as well, if I'm correct. So that's... Who knows what's going to happen in the top half of the draw? <laughs> who uh, knows? Um, but yeah, that's that's my thoughts on Wimbledon so far. I want to just pop on to and just mention a few other news stories um, that have gone on. So obviously we touched upon... Annette Contevate retiring after Wimbledon, which is a shame. She's 27, um, so should ideally be quite a few years off retiring, but it's due to a lumbar, lumbar degeneration, um, obviously a chronic back issue. So that is a shame. It's a shame as well because, I mean, she was featured in one episode of the latest series of Breakpoint, and it was quite in the US Open one. It's quite clear in there as well. She she struggled with with the pressure of that match because she she got knocked out by Serena. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a shame to see Contevate uh, retire. She's a very good player. Um, I mean, this time last year she was going into Wimbledon as the number two seed. So yeah, on a far brighter note we have someone coming out of retirement we have caroline wozniacki uh, former world number one and 2018 australian open champion um she's going to be playing in montreal and then the us open and then it's talking about playing australia and at least the olympics next year so yeah the um she seems confident she's saying she's hit She's hitting like she's never done before. She said that she thinks she can win the US Open and Australia. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. She's still 32, so she's not. it's not like she's coming out of retirement at a super late age. So that will definitely be interesting to see. Um, it'd be nice to see as well because that's sort of like a previous generation coming back and uh, seeing they can take on the others. Uh, Coco Goff has a new coach. Um, Pero Riba, um, former top 100 Spanish player. He started working with her at Eastbourne and will definitely do Wimbledon. And an interview I saw with Coco Goff is the plan. It's to last longer. Um, and also notably, her dad was not at Eastbourne, um, seemingly taking on less of a coaching role. And Coco Goff wants to be a bit more independent, let her dad spend more time with her younger brothers. This seems like quite a healthy thing to do. Maybe um, certain number five seed on the uh, men's side should uh, take note of what Coco Goff is doing. Uh, the ATP in more uh, less less exciting news. Uh, the ATP is in talk, was supposedly in talk, held positive talks with the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Um, seemingly to do with hosting tournaments obviously sponsorships towards the ATP um, sort of stuff to do with like increasing the amount of technology within the game as well 
I don't know a huge amount about it. I mean, it's definitely part of it is, is to host tournaments like the, the talks of moving the next gen finals um, from Milan to uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, supposedly a little while back, they held conversations with the WTA as well. Moving on from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, just a notable thing to mention is that ATP have not really acknowledged uh, Pride Month, which is a bit disappointing. Everyone else has. They probably should have done that. Um, a bit disappointing from their end. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, also another, another bit of nice news. Finish on some nice news. The Women's Tennis Association, the WTA, is celebrating its 50th anniversary at the moment. Um, started in 1973 after a meeting of 60 players at the Gloucester Hotel in London. I believe there's been some sort of celebration there happened recently, uh, which is nice. Um, obviously, WTA being quite a good force for good in the world of tennis. Started originally um, as the Virginia Slim Circuit, I believe, in 1971. I'm getting it correct with the original nine. Um, obviously led by Billie Jean King. Recently watched the film The Battle of the Sexes actually recently with uh, Emma Stone playing Billie Jean King. Um, and oh, I've forgotten the guy's name. The guy from The Office. Steve Carell um, playing Bobby Riggs. Uh, so that's obviously about the, the Battle of the Sexes, that match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, uh, where Billie Jean King won. It was also that year as well, in 19, that happened in 1973 as well, and it was also that year in 1973 that the US Open like paying equally, um, which obviously very good thing and uh more tournaments need to start doing it um but don't worry they all said that they will do in like five to ten years time so like why they can't do it now is a bit bizarre but progress is slow clearly anyway that's the sort of Wimbledon preview done um as I said at the start of this, it's still a bit up in the air what's happening with this at the moment. So I'll try and do a sort of mid-tournament roundup of the first week. If I have someone with me, great. If I don't, I'll just go again um, as a solo one. And then obviously there'll have to be a uh, roundup at the end of the tournament. Once that tournament is done, once Wimbledon is done, I'll probably sit down and think about what's happening next with this. I want to. I want to keep it regular. I like doing this. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening to heart to about 25 minutes of just my voice. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening. Oh, I've forgotten how to sign off. It's been a little while. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, we have a Twitter account and an Instagram account, both at unseededpod. There's an email address, unseededpod at gmail.com. And remember to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and also subscribe to us if you aren't already subscribed but thank you for listening and goodbye